Well, hey there, guys. Greetings and salutations and welcome to the channel for this. Why am I, my voice so raspy? <clears throat> Ann and I went out dancing last night. Maybe I spoke a little bit loud. On this, our special The Little Mermaid open spoiler discussion here on the John Campy channel. Welcome, everybody. And I'm glad that you guys are here. And if you're surprised that I'm doing an open spoiler discussion, on um on the little mermaid well that makes two of us um i uh, give you guys a little bit of background i am listen i i love the classic disney animated films i i really do i don't love the little mermaid i'm not a little mermaid guy i i, I mean i like a lot of the other films in that era i like pocahontas i like uh, aladdin is one of my all-time favorites lion king is my all-time favorite animated film but um yeah, not a Little Mermaid guy. So, I mean, look, the, the trailers look nice. I mean, obviously, this Halle Bailey girl has got pipes. She can clearly sing. You could hear that in the uh, uh, in the trailers. And so I expected, you know, <clears throat> some good singing. Um, and, you know, a, a little bit optimistic. I loved something that they showed us at CinemaCon. They showed us uh, Melissa McCarthy singing the Poor Unfortunate Souls song. And that sounded great. So that sounded good to me. Uh, but I was not prepared that I would enjoy it uh, as much as I did. I mean, it's not top tier uh, Disney live action remake thing. And, and let's be honest. I've said this a lot on the channel. Let's be honest. Disney's track record with their live action remakes is hit and miss to be kind. They're hit and miss. So they don't have many great live action adaptations. I don't think The Little Mermaid is the best one they've ever done, but it's a good one. I had a good time. I think it was about 15 minutes too long. There's a few parts that are kind of dragged. Um, some of the stuff that they did, like one or two of the songs where the songs were really good, like the Prince Eric song that they put in where he's singing by the seaside. No, eh, this song was good, but I just felt it was pretty melodramatic the way it played out is he's constantly i to sing this next line i have to run from here to here now to sing this next line i have to run from here to here and it's just him constantly running from here to here and then going ah and and what the song was good though the song was good i just thought when you compare it to like um when you compare it to under the sea because i thought the musical number of under the sea in this movie was awesome i thought it was great and it was beautifully visually choreographed, right? Like the Under the Sea song was as much a pleasure to look at as it was to listen to. The Prince Eric piece was great to listen to. It's a good song, but it just wasn't very visually inspiring like Under the Sea was or Part of Your World or, or even uh, a Scuttlebutt. Uh, I don't care. I, I, know, I know there's some division going on about the Scuttlebutt song. I don't care. I thought that song was great. I like that song. I thought it was a really nice addition to it. Mm. So, yeah, overall, though, Halle Bailey is a freaking superstar. I had never heard of this girl before she was cast to play Ariel. She sounded good in the trailers. But this girl... She's a superstar. And it's not just that she can sing for days. It's that a lot of this movie, she had to act without speaking. You know, I 
the um, the Marvel show in humans was a big pile of garbage. But one of the things that I really liked in it was Anson Mount. The fact that he was able to act and emote without speaking as as Black Bolt, right? And that was one of the redeeming, one of the only redeeming things about the Inhumans was his ability to do that. And seeing her in this, I mean, her ability to emote and project while not speaking, uh, I was, listen, I got to tell you guys, I was really impressed. I was really, really, really impressed. Um, I thought she did a really, really bang up job. And now knowing she's in the color purple coming up at the end of the year, now I am dying to see what she can do in a movie like that. But anyway, back to the little mermaid. Um, I, I quite enjoyed the film. I had a good time. And when the, the movie ended and Ann and I are walking out of the theater, I was just like, you know what? That was a good time. That was a good time. I enjoyed it. Again, not the greatest one they've done. I still prefer Aladdin over it. I still, because I, you know, I loved Aladdin. I thought Aladdin, not as good as the original one, but I loved the Aladdin remake way better than it had any business being. Um, Maybe the Jungle Book one was a little bit better. Cinderella was better. But this, in a world of Disney hit and miss, this is one of the hits, I think. I think I put this up there as one of the hits. I really enjoyed it. Anyway, guys, we are here to take your thoughts, theories, comments, and observations in a full, open, spoilery way about The Little Mermaid. So uh, let's get, by the way, uh, Sir Malastern says, Will Smith's genie was a miss. 100%, 1,000% disagree. Will Smith's genie was great. He did such a good job of getting the essence of the Robin Williams genie but not trying to do Robin Williams genie because if all he tried to do was Robin Williams genie, it would have fallen on its face. Um, But he found a way to take the essence of Robin Williams genie, throw in a few deep, respectful homages to Robin Williams, but also make the genie character distinctively his own, which was the exact right approach. And I thought it, I thought he did a great job. I thought he did a really fantastic job. Uh, in that movie, but we're here to talk about Little Mermaid, not not this other stuff. So let's get into it here, guys. Let's get your thoughts uh, on on this thing. So we're going to start things off here with CJ Rebirth, who sends in a super chat and writes, "The ending uh, with the music and Triton is just so good. Also, the actress who voices the OG Ariel is the market vendor who gives Hallie the fork and the food. I had, you know what? I assumed." They probably got the original Ariel voice actress and probably put her in the movie somewhere. I just had no idea. Um, I had no idea where in the movie they put her. And if that was her, that's great. Now, I, now next time I watch the film, I'm going to look for that. And yeah, the, the, the ending was beautiful. I mean, I know there's been a lot of comparisons to the ending of the original animated film, but I don't care about comparing it to the original animated film. I just look at it on its own merits. It was a really nice ending. And when Triton comes up and says, you know, we'll, I'll always be here. We'll always be here. And her sisters come up, by the way, I'm sorry. Her sisters were hot. Um, anyway, and her sisters come up out of the water and all the mer people are there with the people on the land. I thought that was a delightful thing. By the way, here's a question for you guys. Let me ask you guys who are here in the live chat question. Since King Triton turned her human, does he have the ability, the next, what do they call the time of year, the quarter moon or 
or the whatever, whatever the, the festival is that, that the big time of year that gathered all of Triton's daughters together. I can't remember what the name of that was. But the Coral Moon, thank you, uh, Chris Hahn in the live chat says the Coral Moon. So does that mean that when the Coral Moon comes around again, she says she'll be back for the Coral Moon. Does that mean that Triton can now turn her back into a mermaid? Like, can he turn her back and forth considering he just did it on a whim? And, and when she does come back, if he does turn her into a mermaid again, does he have the ability, since he can turn a mermaid to human, does he have the ability to turn Eric into a merman when they come back for the coral? Like, you know, one year Christmas at her family's place, the next year Christmas at his family place. Does he have the ability to do that? I had no idea. But yeah, there was that. All right. Uh, next up, we've got Curtis Lopez who writes, I don't enjoy most Disney remakes. You're not alone, my friend. Uh, but this one I really liked. Halle Bailey is a star. The songs were great and it does something actually better than the original Ariel and Eric's romance. I agree. Now I'm not necessarily, well, you know what? No, I'll say it. I don't care. I think the live action one's better than the animated one. I know that puts me in the minority, but you guys know, I'm not one of those guys who is a huge fan of the original. I didn't mind it. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying the original Little Mermaid is a bad movie. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying, you know, it it didn't move the needle much for me. Um, unlike things like, you know, Aladdin and Lion King and things like that. I personally enjoy the live action one more. Yeah. I think the live action one's better. But... I mean, again, that's just me. Remember, you got to take that with a grain of salt that I'm not a big fan of the uh, of the original one. But yeah, that the, and man, I'm, I'm telling you, I could, I am, I am actually tempted just to look up music because apparently Halle Bailey is a singer. I'm now tempted just to look up her music. She belongs on a Broadway stage, the way this girl sings. It was absolutely incredible. I loved it. Every time she sang, I was riveted. Curtis also writes, the way Ariel tells Eric her name is adorable as fuck. You know what? Okay, let me let me speak to that. It was cute. It was cute. When she points to Aries and he says, Aries, Ariel, Ariel, Ariel. I don't know how he got to Ariel from Aries and just going, blah, 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 blah. I'm not quite sure how he ended up at Ariel, but it was cute. I'll give it that. It was cute. All right. Uh, next up here, we got Johnny Weiner who writes, I haven't watched the original, so these two back-to-back -back was pretty good. I generally find most Disney live-action remakes awful. Again, you're not alone. Uh, to me, the only ones I like are Cruella, uh, Aladdin, and, uh, Aladdin with his flaws, Lion King worse. You know what? <clears throat> I don't care what anybody says. I loved Lion King. I love the Lion King new animated film. And yes, for anybody who is still calling the most recent Lion King live action, you do know there's nothing live action about it, right? Like this isn't a debate. It's not a subjective opinion. It is factually an animated film. I know it looks like it's live action, but can we please stop the discussion and can we please stop calling it the, the most recent Lion King a live action? There is nothing live action about it. It is an animated film. Um, anyway, yeah, Rena and Lachia, yeah, they trained the lions to talk. Anyway, so uh, there's a, but um, so I, I really like the, I mean, obviously, no, nowhere near as good as the original Lion King, but I like the new Lion King. Cruella is actually another good one. Cruella's not, I, I, yeah, you know, I'll give you that one. Cruella, I also like Cruella. That one wasn't bad. Um, 
But yeah, again, this movie just charmed the pants off me, this one. All right, CJ Rebirth writes, uh, don't forget the kiss, no, not me, the prince. I, I forget the context of that line, but I'm glad you brought that up. Sebastian, uh, what was the name of the bird? Scuttle? And whatever the name of the freaking guppy was, don't care. Uh, those The three animals... I thought going into the movie, the three animals had the biggest potential for just being cheesy. Flounder. Flounder. Thank you, guys. I thought the three um, animals, you know, the bird, the crab, the the fish, I thought those three had the highest potential in this movie of just coming across badly and cheesy. But I thought the three of them were great. Sebastian was great. And you know what? I remember talking to Anne going into the movie about why does it seem like every animated movie these days has to have Aquafina doing one of the voices. And as we were watching this movie, I realized why. Because her voice, just her way of speaking, has so much character to it. Like just her natural way of speaking and her cadence and the way she talks and the the inflections in her voice and all that kind of stuff. Her voice is made for for animation. I mean, it just the her voice itself carries so much character that it was this movie and them go, oh, okay, I I I get why so many animated films have Aquafina in it. And guess what? She's great in this movie. As what is the name of the bird? Scuttle. Is that the name of the the bird? I. Yeah, really, really worked for me. And and again, David Diggs as Sebastian was terrific. I was really surprised by how much uh, I enjoyed all three of those. I really did. All right. Uh, next up, we got Cody Carroll who writes, it's interesting that Ariel can talk to sea creatures, but not the shark at the beginning. Hmm. I uh, never understood how some creatures can talk and some don't. Yeah, but that's true. Like, go back to the origins of Disney. Why can Pluto talk? Um, but, wait a second, what's the name of the two dogs? There's Pluto, and what's the other freaking dog? Pluto and what? What are the, Guys, help me on the live chat. Goofy. Why can one talk and one can't? Right? Why can one talk and one can't? Why is one a pet and the other one is a homeowner. Can, can somebody explain that to me? In the world of Disney animation, you got Pluto and you got Goofy. Why is one a pet and why is one a homeowner? I don't know. It just You know, I'll go one further about the shark scene. The thing about, I actually think the shark scene should have been cut from the movie. But John, the shark scene is right in the animated film. I, 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 I don't care. It didn't serve any purpose. Like, if they somehow, like, if they had that shark scene at the beginning of the movie, right? And then later in the film, something that happened in that shark scene or the shark itself or a maneuver learned in the shark scene came back to serve a function in the movie later, I would get it. But as it stands, the shark scene was completely needless nothing of consequence happened in the shark scene it didn't serve any narrative purpose in the movie whatsoever if the movie if that movie existed and they just cut the shark scene out nothing about the movie would have changed um so 
I, I actually think they should. I mean, it looked good. The shark looked terrifying. Don't get me wrong. The shark looked deadly, but I really don't think the I don't think the shark was needed. I, I that, that entire scene, I don't think it was needed. But that's just me. All right. Thanks for that, Cody. Uh, next up, Cody Carroll also writes: In the animated version, the eels talk, but don't in this one. Uh, then in the animated sequel, a shark character does talk. I guess it's up to the script. Yeah, I mean. When you have the anthropomorphizing of various animals at different times, I guess you pick and choose when some can talk and when some can't, right? So, uh, like, for instance, even in Lion King, why do the hyenas talk, but the deer and the antelope that we see running across the plains, why don't they talk? And here's another question. If you want to get dark, you want to get dark, here's another question about, you know, as far as Disney... And the uh, anthropomorphized animals and stuff like that. Here's a question. If in the original animated Lion King, right? Zazu speaks. uh, Pomon speaks. uh, Timon speaks, I mean. uh, Pumbaa speaks. The lions speak. All that kind of stuff. Okay. So, does that mean that, that the antelope speak? The zebras speak, the elephants speak. You know, we just see them at the beginning going, oh, there's a new king. Ah, woo, right? We, we don't hear them talking. But let's imagine that they do. If they do in The Lion King, because remember, Pumbaa is technically lion food, right? Lions eat warthogs. Like, just hop on YouTube. Lions eat warthogs. I mean, they'll dig them out of their burrows and, and kill them rather savagely. So, and they talk. So does that mean in the world of the animated movie, The Lion King, that as the lions are killing a zebra, because remember even like young, young prince saying, got any zebra, got any antelope, right? Does that mean when they're killing their food, right? When they're killing, when Simba and Nala and daddy and all that kind of stuff are, are getting the mood, are those zebra and antelope screaming out begging for their lives as you know the lions are killing them and eating them do they beg and plead for their lives no no please king mufasa please no i want to live too bad and rips them apart they didn't show us that in lion king did they they didn't show us that in lion king no sir that would have been something to watch did in the early one of the earlier scenes not shown as King Mufasa is taking Simba out on a hunt and you know they you know King Mufasa's got a zebra pinned down and the zebra's please please let me live I want to live and King Mufasa turns to his little son Simba what do you think Simba and Simba goes kill him daddy I'm hungry okay like they don't show that <clears throat> no sir they don't show that all right Uh, Next up, Jared W. writes, "Uh, was this Melissa McCarthy's best performance? No, Uh, Melissa McCarthy. Oh, why am I freezing on the name? I'm so sorry. I'm so, what is the actual name of the film now? I'm so sorry. Anyway, Melissa McCarthy's best performance was one she got an Academy Award nomination for. And I believe the title of the film, it's been a while since I've watched it. I'm so sorry, or I'm sorry, or something like that. The I, I I regret anyway. I'm freezing on the name there. That was probably her best performance. Her next best performance um, was in Bridesmaids. 
I know it's been a while. Oh, can you ever forgive me? Not, I'm so sorry. CB, thank you. Can you ever forgive me? That is the name. Um, that is the name of the movie. That's her best performance. Can you ever forgive me? She was actually nominated for an Academy Award for that. Um, and then after that is Bridesmaids. And I'll, I'll tell you what. I know it's, it's an older film now, Bridesmaids. People forget how great that movie is. People sleep on how it's it's not a good movie. Bridesmaids, I I think, is a top 20 greatest comedies ever made in the history of Hollywood. That movie made me laugh my ass off. Not quite the same level that 40-year-old Virgin did. Not quite the same level that, say, um, Step Brothers does for me or Noises Off. But it's a top 20 for me, greatest comedy. And, and I think people have slept on it and forgotten about it. And I think people need to go back and rewatch that original, um, that original Bridesmaids. Cause that movie is, <laughs> did you bleach your asshole? I did bleach my asshole. That, that movie is freaking hilarious, man. And, and, and Melissa McCarthy, that was the movie that made Melissa McCarthy a star. And for good reason, she deserved it. She's actually absolutely fantastic in it. Um, anyway, all right. <clears throat> next up, uh, that was Jared W. Uh, next up, we got uh, Stefan Delit Routers, who sends in like a fifty-pound super chat. Thank you, Stefan. I didn't know. Actually, you know what, Stefan? I never knew you were in Europe. Apparently, you're in Europe. Um, anyway, hey John, hope you're doing great. No question for me. Just some support. Keep it filthy. Oh, thank you so much, Stefan. I appreciate that very much, man. That's very nice of you. Um, okay, one more, and then we're gonna take a quick break here, guys. Uh, this next one comes to us from uh, Safwat Newman, who writes, "My daughter had a blast with this movie. The only part that was iffy to me was the prince's song. He can sing, but who asked for his take? LOL. Just kidding. Bring on the filthy. But I mean." Again, I, I mentioned this a little bit earlier myself, right? Like, the song was great. I really did like the song. I just didn't like the visualization of the song, right? I didn't like, again, I'll go back to the uh, Under the Sea song. As they're singing Under the Sea, they made visually that look wonderful. If visually what was on screen as the song was being sung was wondrous and beautiful and gorgeous and blah, 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 right? But Eric's song, which is a good song, I liked it. But visually, again, it was just, I'm standing here singing my song. Now I'm going to run over here and I'll look out at the ocean and sing my song. And now I'll run up these stairs and look out on the ocean again and sing a song. I mean, it was just, it wasn't visually compelling. The song was good. Visually, it was not. I, I, I wish they had come up with something a little bit more to make that feel um, more engaging. Uh, uh, again, it's when you're doing music, this is one of the things that makes musicals or musical numbers in movies so challenging. Number one, you got to have a really good song. That's great. But number two, you've got it. You've got to remember this is still a visual medium. You're watching something, so you got to make it visually appealing too. And they did not do a good job of that with the Eric song. Good song, not good visuals. This is one of the reasons why I love Greatest Showman so much. Like 
you go to the one song and I don't know, pick any one of the songs. Um, uh, uh, home again is that it? And we will come back home, and we will come back home, home again from now on. Right? They they got the bar dance scene. He's running through the streets. He's jumping onto to trolleys. He like it's just it's visually stimulating, right? It's visually bombastic. So it's a fabulous song, and it's visually stunning, right? Visually engaging. Visually, what's the word I'm looking for? Stimulating. It's visually stimulating. The Eric song was not uh, by any means visually stimulating. So, yeah, there's that for me. All right. Hey, guys, listen. We are now going to take just a quick, short little break. I'm going to go uh, refill my drink, give you guys a chance to talk amongst yourselves, maybe run to the bathroom quick. And as we're waiting, we're going to take a second and thank the sponsor of today's video, my mobile service provider. They should be your mobile service provider as well, the good folks at Mint Mobile. We want to thank a sponsor of this video, Mint Mobile. From the gas pump to the grocery store, your utility bills and favorite streaming services, inflation is everywhere. Seriously, make it stop. Thankfully, there's one company out there that's giving you a much needed break. It's Mint Mobile. As the first company to sell premium wireless service online only, Mint Mobile lets you order from home and save a ton with phone plans starting at just $15 a month. You guys know that ever since I switched to Mint Mobile, I've been saving almost 70% a month over my old phone plan. For people looking Looking for extra savings this year? Mint Mobile offers premium wireless for just $15 a month. By going online only and eliminating the traditional cost of retail, Mint Mobile passes the significant savings on to you. All of their plans come with unlimited talk and text plus high-speed data delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and keep your same phone number along with all your existing contacts. Switch to Mint Mobile and get premium wireless service starting at just $15 a month. To get your new wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month and get the plan shipped to your door for free, go to mintmobile.com slash campia. That's mintmobile.com slash campia. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash campia. And thank you to our friends at Mint Mobile for sponsoring this episode. All right, guys. With that down, let's now get through the rest of your questions that you guys have sent in here. And we're going to pick things up with, where did we leave off? We left off with uh, Safwat. We'll pick up now with Double B Studios who writes, Thoughts on the Lion King 1.5? I have no memory of it. I remember Lion King 1.5. There was the one as well with Scar's son was in it and stuff like that. But I, I mean, I watched that when I was younger and I never watched it again. So it obviously didn't make the impact on me that it, that they probably wanted it to have on people. So I have base, I couldn't tell you other than the fact that I think that's the one where Scar's son is in it. I think, um, I, I have really no recollection of it other than that. It, it never made any sort of an impact on me. All right. Delby Studios also writes, how was the CGI and the weird echo? How was the CGI and the weird echo on the voice from the trailers? Uh, I almost gave you $299. It glitched out. <laughs> I almost lost my house. Um, you know what? I, I thought the CGI was quite good. Now, look, after Avatar The Way of Water, it sucks to be any movie that has scenes that take place underwater or under the sea 
because none of them are going to look as good as they do in Avatar The Way of Water. I used to think the underwater stuff in Aquaman looked great. And then we saw... Um, then we saw Avatar The Way of Water. And all of a sudden, the Aquaman underwater scenes doesn't look that great anymore. Um, but, I mean, so that being said, I thought the CGI was actually quite good. I thought it was quite good. I mean, not Avatar good or anything like that. But, um, yeah, I thought it was quite good. And I didn't notice any echoing in voices or anything like that myself, personally. Uh, I haven't seen, uh, I haven't, I didn't notice any of that myself, to be honest with you, Double B. All right. Uh, let's see. Next up, we have Shay, who writes, uh, I know many people, including me, uh, who are making extra sure to go to multiple showings just to combat the ignorance uh, the movie is getting. Un- unnecessary. Look, go to the movie because you like the movie. That's it. No other reason. You you shouldn't have any other motivation to going to see a movie. Like if you if a movie looks good to you and you want to go see it, go see it. If you really enjoyed it and you want to go and enjoy it again, go watch it again. Other than that, you shouldn't be motivated by other agendas to go see a movie again. Right? You don't need to make a political point to say, I need to go to see this more because no, let the movie stand on its own merits. And there are going to be people. Listen, I like the movie, but I I watched and I think, yeah, I I could see why maybe some people wouldn't like it. Like a lot of people love the animated version of Little Mermaid. I don't. Not for any nefarious reasons. It just doesn't do it for me. That's all. I think you'll find that the vast majority of people, like out of the people who don't now, and by the way, there's not many people who don't like this movie. Let me just pull it up here. Uh, Little Mermaid. Rotten Tomatoes, uh, 2023. The last I checked, this movie had a 93% audience rating. At, right now, it's at 95. So as of this moment, oh, I can't get it on screen. You'll, you'll just have to take my word for it. It's got a 67% critic rating. So about almost 7 out of 10 critics like it, whatever. But the audience score is 95%. 95%. Again, I, I I can't... You'll have to take my word for it or go look it on Rotten Tomatoes yourself if you don't believe me. Um, so almost everybody likes the movie. Almost everybody. 95% of the people who saw this movie liked it. And what I think you would find, though, is that if you take that 5% of people who didn't like it I think you'll find a vast majority of that 5% just didn't like it for the same reason I don't love the original animated one. It just didn't work for them. That's all. Nothing wrong with that. They went to go see the movie, watched it, and went, eh, you know, I didn't really like it. I didn't think the, the jokes were all that funny. I didn't think the relationships were all that charming. I didn't think the musical numbers were all that good. Listen, movies are a subjective medium. So even out of that 5% and only 5% of the people who watch this movie didn't like it, out of that 5, I think the majority of probably 4 out of the 5 just didn't like it because the movie didn't work for them. Nothing wrong with that. That That's what movie going is about, right? Now, yes, there is then that very idiotic, brain-dead, 
basement-dwelling, cousin-humping 1%, but that they are small, that are like, that girl's black. Yeah, I, I hate that movie because they're black. That's okay. Just keep inbreeding until your family lineage is wiped out of existence. By all means, just go. We can get you out of the gene pool. Um, nothing you can do about them. But that 1% does not represent at all all the people who just don't like the movie because the movie doesn't work for them because that's the subjective nature of film. And they certainly shouldn't motivate you to say, well, I got to go to the movie more often to counter. If you like the movie, go see it again. You don't need a reason to go see it again. If you like the movie, just go see it again. Anyway, there's that. Okay. Next up. Uh, Let's see. Um, I didn't, I'm not even gonna try to pronounce this. Uh, writes, uh, there are some changes to this movie, like how some scenes, how much is too much for a movie to change to not be an adaptation anymore? Oh, a fuck ton more than what this movie changed. Like, listen, a remake should have its own distinct DNA to it. There should be changes, right? There's, there's not really a lot of point in doing just a straight up shot for shot, literal, you know, um, copying of another version. There should be some uniqueness put onto it. It should have its own distinct thumbprint. It should um, have its own individuality, right? Have, Have a lot that is similar, right? Absolutely. But it should always put its own little thing on it as well. I, I put it this way. Um, I compare it to superhero costumes. I will often say, like, I don't care what a live-action movie version of a costume looks like. As long as when I look at it, I can tell it's that superhero. Like, if you look at this, the Spider-Man costumes of uh, Tom Holland, Tobey Maguire, and Andrew Garfield, right? Some people will look at those three costumes and say... Man, those three costumes are totally different from each other. And I'm like, no, they're not. They're the same costume with minor detail changes. But it's 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 clearly, all three of them are clearly Spider-Man, right? As long as when you look at a, a remake and say, well, this is clearly Beauty and the Beast. Or this is clearly The Little Mermaid. Or this is clearly Aladdin. Even though all of those had some major distinctions between their versions and the original animated versions, as long as you can look at it and go, well, this is clearly Aladdin. Yes, the genie is different. Yes, they that's these songs aren't there yet, but it's clearly Aladdin. Then it is a remake. It's not just uh, uh, an inspired by or, or uh, an adaptation anymore. And to me, honestly, I mean, Little Mermaid... <clears throat> I mean, it is so much The Little Mermaid. I mean, yeah, it's it's some it's got some individuality to it, but it's still clearly The Little Mermaid, right? You know what I mean? So that's kind of my way of looking at that, man. All right, next up, uh, My Comic Planet writes, did you see Halle Bailey perform Part of Your World at Disney World? I did not. Uh, videos of top vocal coaches saying she's one of the best they have ever heard to perform that great with all that pressure. Wow. Listen, I, here's the thing. Halle Bailey is not an actor who can sing good. All right. There are actors who can sing good. Ewan McGregor is an actor who can also sing really well. If you haven't seen Moulin Rouge, you should totally watch Moulin Rouge. Uh, Cause Ewan McGregor can sing. 
But there's a difference between an actor who can sing and a true singer. Halle Bailey is not somebody who can sing. She is a world-class vocalist. Like the stuff she does with her voice in this thing is is just crazy. Now that doesn't mean, that doesn't mean that the movie is good because she can sing. No, no, I'm only talking about Halle Bailey right now. This girl is a freaking superstar. Like, like the highest compliment I can give a singer is when I think to myself, this person belongs on a Broadway stage because those are the world's best singers. The world's best singers are not the ones you hear on your top 40 charts or whatever. Those are not the world's best singers. The world's best singers are the ones who are on stages in Broadway. Those are the world's most gifted vocalists. And when I hear a vocalist and I go, and it's very, very rare, and I go, that girl belongs on a Broadway stage. For me, that is the highest possible compliment I can give a singer, me personally. And that's just the kind of singer she is, man. Like she is, she blew my socks off. Absolutely, completely. Um, Anyway, uh, the filmmaking and fandom rights. What I loved about this version of The Little Mermaid is deconstructing the reason why Ariel and Eric fall in love. They really connected with one another's dreams. I agree. That moment that she walked into Eric's library, I, I, I don't know what to call it. But the moment, like, he's, the way Anne, my wife Anne put it, is like, she realized that Eric's a hoarder too. They're both hoarders. They're hoarders. And she walked in and she found her kindred spirit because he's a hoarder too. But no, I, I don't look at it as a hoarding. They love to collect dreams. Like, both of them, like, she instantly identifies that he's a kindred spirit. That he dreams of of exploration he dreams of what can be out there he dreams of the things that are not here right he's a visionary that looks off to the distance the way moana would say he looks off to where the the line where the sky meets the sea by the way i love that part of moana there's a line where the sky meets the sea it calls me i love that anyway but she, when she walked into his library, she realized she had found a kindred spirit, somebody else who dreams about that line where the sky meets the sea. Because we, the first part of the movie was very much about that. She dreamed about what was beyond her world. And then she goes to the other world and finds that there's this other person who dreams of what's beyond his own world as well. And to me, that rang very true. It, it rang very, very, very true. And uh, I, I agree with you. The, the basis of them falling in love was a lot richer in this, I thought. Yeah. All right. Uh, Double B Studios writes, I have not watched The Little Mermaid animation. Eh, I'll, I'll be the only guy in the room who says I don't really think you need to either. Again, I'll be the, I'll be the, the, the only asshole in the room to say that. I don't think you need to watch it. But uh, you know what? So many people love it. Maybe you do owe it to yourself to check it out. All right. The filmmaking fandom writes, I love Christian Anderson's quote at the start um, with the shots of the real ocean waves. When the ocean wasn't VFX, I loved that it was practical. Yeah, I remember reading the quote. It was something about mermaids. I can't remember. I can't remember exactly what it said, though. If you guys in the live chat remember what that little quote that comes up on the on the screen at first. I, I can't remember what it was, but I remember reading and go, huh, 
but I can't remember word for word what it was, but I remember it made an impact on me when I looked at it. All right, let's keep going here. Um, Double B Studios writes, uh, I've never watched some of the older animated Disney movies. I've read the elementary books uh, that I hear are replicas. Um, the, again, that whole era, that was, to me, that was the golden era of Disney animated films. I mean, look, you have the classic era with your Cinderella's and Snow White's and all that kind of stuff. And all due respect to me, the real defining era, at least for my generation, was that Aladdin era. The Aladdin, um, what are some of the other ones? Lion King, Little Mermaid, um, Pocahontas. I don't know that that's one. I don't think Pocahontas is one you can remake. Uh, but I, I, yeah, to me, that was like such, that was a defining era of films for me, right? Like whenever Disney, Hercules, as Sir Malmstrom uh, put in Hercules, Hercules was another one. Um, I mean, that was, it was a time when, whenever there was a new Disney animated movie coming out, that was something to be excited about because it was just that era. You know, I, I love that era. The Tarzan movie was also really good. Yeah. Hunchback. Woo. Hunchback. Hunchback. Disney's Hunchback is a dark film, man. That is a dark film that does not get enough credit. Uh, oh, yes, Julia, Beauty and the Beast, the first animated film in history to be nominated for a Best Picture, right? Like, listen to that line. That is a killer's row. That is a killer's row. Aladdin, Lion King, Beauty and the Beast. What? Mulan was another good one. Hey, man, I really love that era. I love that era. Uh, okay, next up. Uh, let's see, CG of Rebirth writes, Eric's butler kicking away the wedding ring. You know what I loved? I love that prime minister character because traditionally in these kinds types of movies, right? Like the older grown up dignitary one is, is a, is a, you know, a stuffy, um, nerd, right? Like just, oh, it's just usually the buzzkill, right? But instead they made the prime minister, yeah, you you take out the car and you take that girl out, my son. You go have a good time, my friend. Take protection. I mean, I liked that they made the character that. I really did. I like that they made the character that way. I, to me, it, it really worked. Um, okay, give me a second here. Just got to bring up the last few ones because we've turned off the super chats. So I just got to bring up the last few ones here. Uh, give me a moment. Usually I would do this over a commercial break, but I forgot to do it over a commercial break. So where are we? Okay, here we go. Next up, Alan Ling writes, uh, Hey, John, I found myself comparing Little Mermaid to Lion King. I'm not completely sure why. I like this remake better than Lion King. I hate to admit also, but her sisters were attractive. <laughs> I'm telling you what. Like, Yeah. Like I, I, I could not help, but Ann and I are sitting there thinking, yeah, it's just, let me give, let me give all, all the guys watching, all the guys watching. Okay. All the men watching right now. Let me give you a little bit of marriage advice. You know, Ann and I are getting ready to celebrate our 13th anniversary. So, uh, we've, we've got pretty good marriage, I think. So let me give you a little bit of marriage advice. Are you ready for this? Okay. Whether you're married now, getting married or think about being married in the future. Let me give you a little bit of advice right here. Okay. 
it is generally not a good idea to mention to your wife how hot some other women are. Nuggets of wisdom with John Campia. Yeah, did that blow your mind? Did that blow your mind? That it is generally not a good idea uh, to mention to your wife how hot other women are, right? Generally speaking, I know, I know, right? That's that's a revelation from the cosmos I just gave you. But I remember Anne, I leaned over to Anne when they showed Ariel's sister. I'm like, Ariel's sisters are hot. And Anne leans over to me. She's like, so hot. It's like, yeah, they were like, so, like they just went out and found like the most attractive women in the world. And so you're going to be Ariel's sisters. Anyway, uh, there's that. So yes, a little, uh, little bit of marriage advice for you guys. I got away with it, but I shouldn't push my luck and neither should you. Uh, okay, next up. Thank you for that, Alan. Uh, let's see. Sis writes, uh, Hey John, can you talk about the box office numbers? It doesn't look good internationally. Um, I'm not really sure what the box office. you know what? No, we're not. I, I don't, I haven't looked up today's box office yet, so I don't know. We'll probably talk about the box office on tomorrow's show. We're here to talk about the movie itself. So I, I haven't looked at the box office at this point. All I know is this, it really won't matter what it starts with, right? It won't matter what it starts with. Um, Aladdin started with a with $91 million opening weekend. But that movie went on to make a billion dollars. Uh, Avatar the last, or uh, Avatar, I almost said the last airbender. Avatar the way of water had an opening weekend that had tons of YouTube channels writing, Avatar 2 is a box office bomb. And it went on to become the third biggest grossing film in the history of Hollywood. So I, I, I'm not terribly concerned about how something starts, particularly when it's a movie like this. But again, I'm sure we will talk very much in depth about uh, box office numbers and everything tomorrow, but I haven't looked at them yet today. All right. Next up, uh, we've got My Comic Planet, who writes, Little Mermaid open. Well, here we go. <laughs> Little Mermaid opened to $118 million at the box office. Pretty damn good, John. Uh, how do you see this movie playing out over the next couple of weeks? Hope it has likes. Again, we're not here really here right now to do a box office analysis of the movie. We're just here to talk about the movie. Uh, again, I'll have a chance to sit down uh, and look at the box office numbers. We'll do some analysis. We'll talk about it a lot on the John Campy Show tomorrow. But uh, today we're here to talk about the movie itself rather than a uh, box office analysis of it. But yes, 118 million exceeds the 110 million that they projected. Um, and that puts it at about the same opening that Guardians of the Galaxy 3 had. So, I mean, again, and it makes it an opening that's about 20 million more or more than what Aladdin opened with, and Aladdin made a billion dollars. I'm not saying Little Mermaid's going to make a billion dollars. I don't, I've said this all along. I don't personally think Little Mermaid will. It certainly has a chance, but I don't think Little Mermaid would make a billion dollars, but it's a good start for it. But again, we'll talk more about it tomorrow. All right, next up, uh, John McKinney writes, I was never a fan of the original Little Mermaid, even when I was a kid. The only things I liked were Ursula. Ariel in the original was kind of bratty to me. I think this will be an improvement for me. Or do I think this will be an improvement? I mean, looks, I can only speak for myself. Um, John, I can only speak for myself. For me, this is better than the original. For me. I've never thought that about any of the other stuff. Um, I don't, as much as I love Aladdin, I don't think it's better than the original Aladdin. 
I like the new Lion King, but I don't think it's better than the original Lion King. Um, Beauty and the Beast was okay, but it was nowhere near as good as the original. This is the first one that I've seen uh, that I think is actually better than the original. But again, that's just because I don't like the original as much as most people do. So you got to take that with a giant grain of salt. Got to take that with a giant grain of salt. All right. Um, And guys, that'll do it for today's open spoiler discussion of The Little Mermaid. Again, not the best uh, Disney live action remake, but one of the few ones that actually worked and is pretty damn good. And I actually even liked it more than the original. I had a lot of things going for it. I can't wait to see what this Halle Bailey girl does with the rest of her career. Can't wait to see her in the color purple. Um, Yeah, so guys... Thank you for joining me for this very unexpected Little Mermaid open spoiler discussion. I think it's uh, clear that our next one is going to be uh, Flash. We'll probably no, no, no. What, what, what? Open, what's the big one that opens this week? Is it Transformers that opens this week? What opens this week? Is it Flash? Now I can't remember. I have Spider Verse. Spider Verse opens this week, right? So obviously next weekend we're going to be doing a big Spider Man across the Spider Verse open spoiler discussion, and then probably a Flash one, and then probably and we got a lot of open spoiler discussions coming. But uh, I didn't think we would do one for the Little Mermaid, but I liked it enough that I thought we would. So thank you for coming along for the ride, guys, with me and doing this one here. Uh, don't forget, come on back and join us on the John Campy channel tomorrow. We got a bunch of videos going up. We'll have our podcast. We've got open mic tomorrow afternoon. So we got a lot of things coming tomorrow as well. So guys, that'll do it for me for now. Thanks a lot for being here. My name's John Campia. And until next time, my friends, bye-bye.